Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. And welcome to episode 294 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Happy New Year, Megan. Happy New Year. Wow, we made it. Here we are. We made it. So, we had an episode that aired on January 1st, but it was an interview. So, this is the first time you and I have been together in 2021. Yay. I know. Yay. It's exciting. So, today's topic is very fitting for this time of year. Um, and that is that as we speak, as we record right now, I'm doing that thing where I'm putting Christmas away. And so the house is like in transition. I don't know. Are you in that space yet? Or do you still have Christmas up? What's going on? Um, so Christmas is still up in my house till tomorrow. Um, my kids are with their dad right now. So I'm waiting for them to get back to help me, uh, drag the tree out to the street and all that. So we'll do all that tomorrow. And it won't this year. I really didn't go too hog wild on putting stuff all over the house. Like I had like three very contained spaces where everything is. So I don't, I mean, wrapping up the ornaments always takes forever, but I don't think all of it's going to take forever. And just a nod to moms of little ones who, you know, are getting older as they do. Now (laughs) the process of like cleaning up, like the, uh, the aftermath has gotten just more contained. Really the thing that becomes annoying is they leave their stocking stuff lying around. Yeah. And this year I made them all dump their stockings. It's like such a like divorced mom hack. I made them all dump (laughs) their stocking stuff directly into a like shopping, like a plastic bag from, you know, like Target or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. And I had them take that all to their dads. Oh, I love that. Because I am intending to have all their stockings dry cleaned because their stockings are disgusting. Like I've never had them clean and it's been Jacob's is 24 years old. Mine's 24 years old. And I, I don't know, maybe I'll just throw them in the washing machine, but I, someone suggested having them dry clean. I thought, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense because there is a little detail and embroidery and stuff, but they all have white um, detail and the white is no longer white. Yeah. Oh, that'll feel gross. very satisfying. To it get will. Get them back. 
Yes. But the, the biggest thing I did was I said, now you all take these and you take them away. And so then he got to deal with all the wrapping, like the candy wrappers <laughs> and the plastic stuff that came out of there. And hopefully they didn't even bother bringing them back because most of them, if it was like a, in our house, stockings are just basically candy and kind of like ancillary stuff. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. toothbrushes and toiletries. I did tell them to leave their toothbrushes here because those are for this house, but everything else they were allowed to take. And so I'm hoping none of it comes back, honestly. That's awesome. I hope it's I all in this it. house. Yes. I so, love it. Yeah. Um, well, today and next week, actually, this is going to be a two-part series. And we're we're talking about where to put the toys is what we're yeah. focusing on today. And what's funny is, you know, as a refresher, if you're brand new around here, my kids are about to turn eight and then 10 and 12. Megan, your kids are 11 through 24, right? 23. So, yep. Yep. 23. Sorry. So um, you and I aren't dealing with um, like an influx of new toy categories, but many of our listeners are, we had someone post in the Facebook group, like, Hey, now we're into Legos. This is like the year we got into Legos. So how does everybody store their Legos? And of course there were a lot of great ideas shared and, um, but that often happens over the holidays is, I mean, I'm thinking of your Barbies and your American girl and your matchbox stuff. Like sometimes the holidays are almost a kid's initiation into a new, it opens up an entire new category of toy that you've never had to store. So that's what kind of gave us the idea for this episode. And we're going to do this week and next week and just go through some of the big um, challenging categories of toy storage. And next week we'll move into not just toys, but like just family life, Um, the stuff that can be tricky to store and how we've handled that over the years. So we had some kind of some fun um, reminiscing a little bit. I, I think I'm still in it. Uh, most of these categories still exist in my house, um, but they get played with less and less. And, you know, every time I do a purge, I'm kind of letting go of of one of them. So I think this will be fun. It will be. And you're right that like it, it is a slow. It's like an immediate um, indoctrination into this world of whatever toy it is. But then the build is slow because, you know, no kid really gets all the Legos they'll ever have at their first Lego Christmas. They get right. a kit and maybe two kits. And then yeah. year after year, birthday after birth, like holiday after holiday, it adds on. And, and it's like this waxing and waning. There's like a point I could probably go back in time where it was like full toy in my house, mm-hmm. like the toyest it would ever get. And since then it's been like waning toy. Right. And now we're right. almost to no toy, which is kind of yeah. sad, honestly, but also. Yeah makes my clutter avoidant brain happy. So <laughs> yes. And you, you've logged all of the experience going through those. And that's such a good point too, because you might think you have an organization system for Barbies, for example, that works because you only have two Barbies and one little set. And then like you said, when the, when it keeps on coming, you have to keep revising. Am I going to keep these sets together? Am I going to keep them separate? Yep. And, and so, yeah, we have a lot to, lot to talk about. But I wanted to kind of open um, just by maybe sharing how our personal relationship with toy storage has changed over the years. And for you, you've lived in a lot of different houses. And at one point you had like five little kids or at least four little boys of toy playing age kind of all under the same roof. And then Clara came along and she had her own toys. So do you feel like you kind of developed a like a storage style over time, or did it just really depend on the house and your needs? And then also follow-up question. Do you have one particular phase that when you look back, you just kind of shudder because it felt like the most overwhelming Mm. in terms of toy storage? Yeah. So I would say that the stuff storing style um, definitely was, 
house dependent. I lived on ho- in houses that were tiny and had great storage. I lived in houses that were huge and had almost no storage. And the the really deceptive thing about the bigger houses is that it feels, because everything's spread out, you can kind of ignore it more, but you have to buy more stuff to then place the stuff inside. Yeah. You know, like you have to, you have to, pur- there's more purchasing decisions that have to happen. And the stuff is all still there. It's just maybe you don't pass it like en masse every day. So right. I felt like I was always like kind of reconsidering. And then when I would move into a house that had better storage that was built into the house, I would be like, well, what am I going to do with all these bins now? You know, or right. like all these like little Rubbermaid containers I bought and like those don't even go anywhere. And so I, I would end up just stacking them and like carrying them house to house thinking at some point I'll use these again. So it was very house dependent. But definitely the phase that felt the most chaotic was um, when I had two little kids. So Jake and Isaac were six and four. And then we added Will. Because what happened at that phase, it would have been a little chaotic anyway, even without William, because Jacob was suddenly getting into like a new phase where his stuff was getting smaller and smaller. It was all little pieces. It does. It was all tiny pieces. And Isaac was still firmly in that sort of like big chunky action figure phase. I couldn't even tell you what any of those action figures were called, but I could tell you they were chunky. Like they were, Mm. they were substantial. Um, They had feet that were like flat and you could sit them down and they would stand up like for that like level of kid, right? Giant boy Barbies. (laughs) Exactly. Giant boy Barbies, Um, dump (laughs) trucks. Um, building toys. And I mean like big chunky building toys, like ride on toys. Like he was still, he was starting to come out of that, but he was not yet into where Jacob was with like the little itty bitty piece stuff and like as much building. So I had those two phases happening and then we brought in a new baby and suddenly now we're getting all the enormous plastic things, like the enormous Mm -hmm. plastic things on four like chunky plastic legs that have buttons you push and they make sounds and like uh, mobiles and the um, those mats that you lay the baby on. And there's the two things that cross over. Yep. Like, you know, I'm talking about there's a million of those. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was like I had these three categories, like little, bigger and big. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely chaotic and everywhere. And it was um, we moved when Will was maybe like two. And when we moved, I just decided most of that stuff wasn't coming with us. It, mm-hmm. And then by this point, now we had another baby because Owen was born when William was two. But I was just like, I can't. First of all, this baby does not need all the stuff I thought he needed. Mm-hmm. And we just can't keep it all. And then after that, I really, that was really when I really doubled down on like that stuff production plus active management style. And I've talked a lot about active management in many, many different ways, but mm-hmm. that's really what saved me. And it has really defined my approach to clutter and basically life ever since. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Well, I think this changes so much over time. So, and it did for me. So when your kids are tiny, no matter what house you live in and what your storage situation is, when your kids are really little and I would go up through, you know, two or three years old, you're primarily the one putting things away. So you have a lot of control over where the stuff goes and it's, it's kind of easy to keep like with like. So you keep all the stuffed animals together and you keep all the plastic animals together and you keep it all separate. And um, if you have a personality like mine that really likes that kind of order and categorizing, that can kind of create that, you know, you get, you get to still be mistress of your toy domain for a few years. It's a lot of work, but you're, you're in charge. And then what happens is 
at least for me, I wanted my kids to have freer access to their stuff. And I, I, to be honest, I wanted them to play independently. If I wanted them to play independently, they were going to mix the cash register with the American girl dolls. And they were going to mix the matchbox cars with the train tracks. And like, that's childhood. That's how it works. And I philosophically was like totally behind that, but organizationally that requires some letting go. And like, I'm just, I know there are those of you out there who just kind of shudder when you find Barbie shoes, like in the bin, like with the Play-Doh, like, it's just, you're like, no, I got to keep this stuff over here. And so I think there's a little bit of a letting go that happens as your kids get older. But the good news about kids getting older is they can be a bigger part of the process. Um, a big, like a big shift for me, which was when um, at least two of the three kids could read. And now all three of them can read because I can throw a label on something or I can say, go find, you know, go find this bin. And they really now are part of the storage solutions. And it's not like perfect. It's not like they love to clean up, but it does change a lot. And so I think that's regardless of the house I've lived in, I guess it's been a gradual letting go of keeping everything exactly with its original set. Um, and you know, it's not, I think you can still aim for order, but it looks different as kids get, um, they get more stuff and it starts to mix and match and you lose half of a set and they like it anyway. So you hold on to it. So yeah, I think that's what came up for me, but interestingly, um, my most overwhelmed stage was also with the third kid. So I don't know if that's coincidence or something about just that's when, that's when we really lose control, but Uh, mine are closer, mine are closer together than yours. So I had a four, two and a newborn, but I think, um, similar to what you were saying, I had a very busy, active third baby. And so first of all, I was worried about her swallowing like Legos and marbles as the older kids got into things like marble tracks and smaller Legos And then Allegra was more, you know, was starting to get into more like calico critter. Oh my gosh, the calico critters and they're tiny food and they're tiny. And so I had to, that was that letting go of like, I guess we don't need, I guess like if it all just gets thrown in a bin and half of it is dolls and half of it's calico critters, I I need to just let it go. But I, I remember feeling very overwhelmed with baby, toddler, preschooler, and then emerging big kid. Um, and we also moved when Violet was 18 months to a house with, um, very little, everything had to go in their bedrooms, which had been different than the previous house. So, yeah, before we, before we go to break, um, I just want to like share this story that popped into my head as you were talking, Sarah, because it just reminded me of how different things are in an older family household as compared to a younger family household or a younger kid, you know, family Mm -hmm. and how, um, those things can sometimes collide. So probably five years ago now, we had some friends over and one of them were our friends, Liz and Lars and their little boy, Wyatt at the time, I believe was three, like three and a half going on four, like between three and four. And we had this little area like outside of the kitchen, which is where the kids would kind of hang out. It was like, we're all clear art stuff and the board games were there and da, da, da. And I know I started to notice like over the next few months, just things were missing and I couldn't quite figure out why. Like I couldn't, Clara would say I had these little pet shop people they're missing. And like the Catan game, all the pieces were suddenly missing from two different colors. (laughs) But because of like, we have older kids by this point, none of my kids were at this stage where they were losing things or hoarding them or whatever. And I was like, this is just really strange. And none of it matched up. Like it didn't make any sense. And when I was moving out of that house, it's now been, three plus years since we moved out of that house. Um, 
in a couple of teapots. Like I had some decorative teapots uh-huh. and I found all of it. Oh like my gosh. all of the stuff that had been missing. So like Legos and little pieces from our Christmas Advent Playmobil set uh-huh. and all of the pieces from Catan and marbles and like every little thing you could imagine that had gone missing was in these teapots, these decorative teapots. I never did anything with except had them out. And we finally figured out that it was Wyatt that did it. And Clara even was like, I knew he was up to something. Like she remembered <laughs> very specifically that Wyatt kind of like a bird, like a, like a, like a raven nesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Had gone around and found all the little things in our house and put them in my teapots. So That's I guess funny. they would just say, if you're missing anything right now, go check, check any teapot. small, check the teapots or any small <laughs> objects that a kid might've squirreled things away in because you never know how their brains work. They like little things. That, and if you're in that phase right now, you're listening to that story and you're like, yeah, that's just my life. Like I find random right. stuff in my purse and in every like corner all day long, but it's amazing how quickly you and I forget. Right. I, I had no reason to think of that. Right. Yeah. I had no reason okay. to look in those places and, except then and later I'm like, oh, so he was like the little raccoon that came in and just like snatched up all of her stuff and hit it. It's so I funny. I love it. I love it. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. 
Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, Sarah. So we're going to start in a category that I have only been really out of for probably two years. But it's so crazy to think how much of my life this category just dominated. Mm -hmm. And that was the Lego, the Lego years, Mm -hmm. which really started very early in my family. In fact, if you count Duplo and what's the other one, the Um, Lego and Duplo are the two main ones. Isn't Um, there like an even bigger version for like real little babies? Mega blocks, mega blocks. Maybe that's like a totally different brand. I think it is a different brand, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And so really that was such a thing for us for so, 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 so long. And it really creates like for the organization loving brain, it creates endless opportunity for like color coding and, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and just grouping like with like, but then it also can create a lot of um, chaos and confusion. I think when you're the way you want things to be organized, don't match with the way your kids play with them. Mm -hmm. So I would Mm -hmm. love to hear your thoughts on this because I've been out of it for a bit. I'm just kind of remembering back vaguely. Well, and I am still in it, but like you, we started with Duplos, you know, probably 10 years ago. And, um, Reed is the main Lego builder. He's 10 and a half still going strong. I could see him being like an adult Lego hobbyist, honestly. So here's what I will say. Many of you listening are probably hoping, 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 hoping for a like Sarah Powers hack for organizing Legos. And I am here to tell you that I do not have one. And I think There are definitely people out there on the internet who have solved this for themselves, but I would caution you in getting too excited about any one Lego storage system, because as you said, Megan, the way kids build, the the way kids feel protective of their completed sets or not is so different. And it, it's so different kid to kid and it changes over time that I just would, I guess I would put a big caveat on any kind of system that seems magical, magically to contain all the Lego chaos. So even though I like order and organization, um, our Lego situation is that Reed often gets a set as a gift. And actually Violet likes the Lego friend, Lego friends line as well. She gets sets still sometimes. Like animals and the flower pots Mm -hmm. and such. Yes, Yes. I remember those. Yes, it's usually like often um, pet or animal related. She loves those. But it is made by the Lego brand, Lego company. So they all fit together and all that. So they'll get excited if they get a a kit. They follow the instructions and put them together. And I mean, Reed has been doing that without help since he was seriously like four. He was just a really advanced builder. So we've never had the challenge of like, oh, we've got to do it with them or make sure they don't mess up the instructions. Like mm. it's always been a very joyful, very independent assembly project. And then the thing is assembled. And depending on how big it is and how much Reed is attached to the final thing, then we are faced with like, is this something he wants to store and display in his room perhaps? Or is it going to kind of like sit out for a while and then be gently set upon the big bin of loose Legos and like it, it will sort of crumble a natural death, but like everyone's kind of okay with that, if that makes sense. So yeah. what you end up, we have these big um, like Rubbermaid style uh, flat bins, very large, like the kind that could slide under a bed, you know, those kinds. So they're not very tall. Yeah. 
And they, they make for great loose Lego storage because the kids will just paw through it. And you can see what you're looking for because it's relatively flat. It's not a tall bin where you'd have to be digging down, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we have three or four of those, and they are mostly miscellaneous. There's no, there's no um, organization whatsoever. Now, what's interesting is as the kids have gotten older, sometimes they will get on a kick of um, Reed and Violet and be like, let's get all the minifigures together. Let's find all the minifigures and put them in this Ziploc bag. So they've almost like on their own found times when they wanted to sort a bit. But for the most part, it's very loose, loose Lego. They will free, we call it free building. They'll free build with that. And they'll, you know, they'll find like a half discarded piece of an old set. So it's like the cockpit of a plane or it's like half of a building and they'll, yeah. they'll work with that. So it's very kind of like organic and creative the way they work with what's left of the loose Legos. And I have never once tried to contain that. The The bins don't even have, I sent you a picture the other day. I think the bins don't even have lids. They just are mm-hmm. open and we kind of stack them one on top of the other. And in this new house, they're in our rec room. In the old house, they were in my dining room. My formal dining room was like the Lego room for, for six years. So I, I don't know if this is reassuring, but like, I just don't really have a, I don't have a Lego organization system. What I have is Lego loving kids and an ability to throw them all in a bin. And then I guess the final piece of that is for Reed, it is always a decision of, is this a special enough one that I want to display it in my room? And he has pretty limited display is like a bookshelf thing that some things can go on. And every once in a while, we'll just decide, you know, I think this one needs to get kind of demolished back into the loose bin because there's just no space. So yeah, yeah, it's like a system of no system. So, okay. A couple questions come to mind and it sounds like what you're saying is you have universal Lego. And even mm-hmm. though Violet might be drawn to the, you know, the um, Lego friend sets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, all Lego is equal opportunity for all kids. Is that true? Or is are there certain sets that only one kid has access to? No, they're pretty equal opportunity. I mean, if you're familiar with Lego friends, it is pink and purple and marketed to girls. And so it visually looks a little different. Um, Violet has only gotten into those in the last couple of years. And I think at one point there, she did kind of have a bin that was mostly quote unquote hers, but the way they play with them is pretty equal opportunity. It's pretty fair okay. game. So mm-hmm. I have this memory of being a kid. And, and the reason I bring this up is because I remember very, very clearly, like, and I don't know if this was just the personalities of my brother, John, who's my next oldest brother, four years older than me. And I, or my mom's intolerance to, having like more than is necessary to be out, I guess is the way I'd put yeah, that. I hear that. I remember the two of us having, we had two things. One was Lego and it was like a very 1970s Lego set. And we had a, t- uh, a game called puzzle town, which was a Richard scary. It was uh, oh, like okay. a, like literally like a town you would build out of and with Richard scary characters. And it was awesome. I loved it. I, I want please, if anyone has a puzzle town or access to puzzle town, like you would make me very, very happy if you pointed me toward Puzzle Town. It was like, I just remember that being like the ultimate imagination starter uh-huh. in, in my childhood. But for me and my brother, it would be like, hey, let's get out Lego or let's get out Puzzle Town. And he and I would take it out, open it up, play with it for an hour, take it all apart, put it back and put it away. Mm-hmm. My brother Buck, who was much more like the engineer mind guy, he, I believe, had his own stash. Like in the basement. I don't think we were even allowed to go near it because I think (laughs) the way he played with Lego 
was so evolved mm-hmm. compared to the way my peon brother and I played with mm-hmm. Lego. I just can't see the two ever having jived. So I just wonder too, like, like again, like what you said, is there some magical way to organize? Well, no, because it's a, it's really like an organic evolving thing based on how your kids deal with it. And maybe my mom at some point was just like, I can't to buck. I can't handle you and your Lego creations. Just keep them downstairs. I really don't know. I have no idea how that worked out that way, but I don't ever remember feeling like when my brother got a fancy buck, got a fancy Mm -hmm. Lego set, it would never have been okay for us to touch it. It, Right. Nor did we expect to. It was like, we just knew better. And so, you know, John and I had our set, which was kind of just basic. And it just makes me laugh to think about how different it was in our family. And I'm sure some version of that is still playing out in many 2021 households um, with much more advanced sets. Well, what's so interesting, too, is I I have heard of families wanting to. So you put a set together and then I've heard of people asking the question, well, how do you keep it all together? So when you take it apart, you can put it back together again. And I will tell you, in my 10 years of Legoing, my kids, even my very like kind of detail oriented, high strung Lego kid. Nobody's ever really expressed an interest in disassembling, putting in separate bags and then reassembling like with the instructions. They'll never reassemble it again. I don't know. So so. I've never now. So I guess going back, the the ones Reed cares about, he just keeps them put together. And those are the ones that are special to him, but they are assembled. So they are now no longer Lego. They're like statues or they're a statue. Yeah, they're they're like, yeah. Yeah, it's something to display. So the ones that are loose, they are fair game because they're nobody's going to re no one's going to take like the Millennium Falcon apart. We don't have the Millennium Falcon, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and then and then say like a year later, let's build that one again. And then you've got to go find all all the pieces and the instructions again. That sounds like a nightmare to me. But I think in some families that's how they do it. So they make sure they disassemble into Ziploc bags. I'm just I'm not saying that's a bad strategy. It's just never been how it worked in my family. Well, I think where that might come into play isn't because the kids want to necessarily assemble, reassemble that exact thing again, but because certain pieces will be so coveted, Mm -hmm. like certain pieces in that set, there might only be two of the little thing that makes a headlamp or whatever, you know what I mean? And if though, and if some, you know, little sister gets her paws, her sticky little paws on it and sticks it on an animal head, thinking it's a cute hat, (laughs) it's almost like insulting to the kid who's really into it. So again, and I think I shared this because we had this whole thread about Lego storage on Facebook and I, and our Facebook community. And I said that the way at our house, it worked for years was we had had a Thomas, the tank engine train table Mm -hmm. that was er abandoned as a train table early on. Cause none of my kids were that into trains. And what worked really, really well was that it had plenty of room for everyone to spread out and Mm -hmm. even kind of semi hoard pieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They weren't actually theirs but they could kind of pretend like they were theirs right. and like keep them they down. They their with... own space. Yeah, their own space. So that's a lot of time to devote to Lego. Um, but I know that we wanted to quickly mention that there's another category, like kind of in this Lego-ish category. There are other building kits, STEM kits. Um, again, like going back to my childhood in those days, it would have been the erector sets, like things that were mechanically maybe a little older kid-ish um, yeah. or or very specific to the type of kid who wanted to play with them. But those, those have a ton of little pieces. Yes. And so those, I know you have experience with that with your kids. Yeah. And those don't mix with Lego. So if Lego right. is your primary, like 
what I call kind of open-ended free building, you know, system than any other kit needs to be self-contained. So yeah, yeah, with those, um, I think over the years we have kept those in their either in their original box or I am, this is going to come up again and again, but I'm a big fan of gallon Ziploc bags for stuff like this with, you can put a label mm. on it with a Sharpie and then throw the whole Ziploc bag into some kind of bin or basket. So, um, with those types of things, it's more likely that I killed the original box and saved what was needed and tucked it away. And the bummer about that is sometimes Reed forgets that he has some sets like that. So it's almost like it's not that they go to waste, but because Lego has been so dominant in our house and because the other sets need to be stored separately, um, it, it's almost like out of sight, out of mind. We've gotten a lot of mileage out of marble tracks, um, mm. different marble maze type things. Those are really fun. Um, so yeah, it's nothing. It's not like I haven't enjoyed some of those other building sets, but they definitely have had different storage, much more traditional, like bins and boxes tucked away in a cupboard somewhere. And then they bring them out when they want to play. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of those things too, like those little pieces, when you can't see them, you can't find them. And I love yeah. having them in like in a a gallon Ziploc is so easy because you can kind of like, you know, maneuver the pieces around and filter them like through your fingers almost until you see the piece of that little tiny piece you need. And that does yes. make them more fun to play with well, than that, digging around in a tray. That brings up um, my cookie sheet uh, hack, which is when they get out something like that, that a cookie sheet's a great space container temporarily to, to dump stuff out and be able to see it without it, everything rolling off the edge of the table. So that works for many, many projects, including crafts and beads and all kinds of things. So yeah, yeah, love that. All right. Well, hopefully we can link that up in the show notes. Cause I loved your cookie sheet thing. And I think it exists like in an old blog post somewhere, yeah. but uh, it was still very smart. So, well, let's shift gears to slightly or a lot younger of a group. And that is um, the category that we call giant plastic things. <laughs> and that would be like all the stuff we described in the beginning where we were talking about the big noise making toys and the, mm -hmm. the things that just take up so much space. And they really it's the thing that makes when you have a newborn or a one year old or even up to like two to three. Sometimes it makes your living room basically feel like daycare. <laughs> yes. Um, and. Yeah, they just they take up a lot of room. And I don't think I ever actually got any of this very under control. They no. just eventually outgrew it. So did you have a strategy for that? Well, I have two things to say. And one is that it just doesn't last as long as you think it's going to last. Just when you think your entire life is made up of like activity tables mm -hmm. and things that light up and go beep and that are really large and walker push toys and ride on toys inside. When you think you've reached your max, lo and behold, that stuff will, you will, unless you have 10 kids and you just stay in that phase for a really, really long time, it, it does end. And it, it is so nice when it does. So just like, I guess just solidarity to those who feel like it's going to last forever because it doesn't. By the time your youngest kid is three, you just won't be drowning in that stuff anymore. Um, a couple of specific tips. Uh, I lived in a two-story house when I was in that phase, and we had an upstairs loft playroom area that I was so excited about at the time. And looking back, is like so cute that I thought it would be good for my family at the time. But um, we had it was a very steep staircase with baby gates on both ends because a fall would have been really bad. And I only had one toddler fall down those stairs once. But 
So the it was not easy for the kids to go up and down stairs by themselves. And they were just too little to play independently. And so I had this big, cool loft that I envisioned the place for all those types of things, like the bigger, more plastic, bright colored stuff. But of course, they had to they had to be right down in our tiny family room and kitchen area because that's where the kids were. So one thing that helped was like kind of spreading that stuff out to the main rooms of the house where we spent a lot of time. So if you have an activity table or two, putting one in my master bathroom where I was um, like getting ready in the morning and just that's where it lived for that year when that baby needed something to do um, and maybe putting another one like, you know, in the corner of the kitchen or in the corner. So it helped to spread them out because it kept them where they were being most used. And then it also seemed like there were fewer of them. You didn't have yes. like six lined up in the family room. And so Sarah, was, don't you feel like you could also move your kids around the house and make them excited to go with you into a different room? Yeah. You'd be like, oh, mommy has to go work on something, you know, in the living room. Come with me because remember, that's where your whatever, you know, your giant exactly. keyboard your play is. Kitchen. And, yeah. yeah, your play kitchen. And it was like they were constantly being because little kids like they kind of have that forgetfulness, that uh, lack of, uh, you know, what's it called? The uh, object, object permanence. permanence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, my goodness, what is this? I forgot it existed. And I, I did the same thing, not intentionally, but it just happened that way. And it was very nice. Yeah. 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 Spreading it out and maybe even thinking a little outside the box of where where you spend time when where you need a toddler entertained. Um, and then my only other tip is so simple, but it's just make sure that thing has a kind of a parking spot, maybe up against a wall. So if it is time to to vacuum, for example, or sweep or pick up the floor area, um, it's just it may not be how you'd want to decorate your family room. But in the Marie Kondo world, like everything has one place where it lives. And so if that activity table when you pick up at night, if it slides right up against the wall next to the end table or whatever, it it does have its place. And I think there's like a little mental peace and calm that comes mm. with that, even if 97 percent of the time it's dragged out into the middle of the floor. But, you know, it can be pushed back into its place. And you'll also probably know if you really do need to pare down if there's two if there yeah. are truly too many things, maybe something needs to go or maybe it needs to relocate to another place in the house. So I don't know. That's all I came up with for this one. Well, I think that's because it's it's an imperfect system and it's it's temporary. There's no perfect solution and there doesn't need to be because it won't last that long. And it, your story made me laugh about the like your high hopes for the loft because we had the same thing when Jake and Isaac were really little. We moved into this really cool um, like old apartment and it was but it had like an attic. And I remember being like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so cool for the kids. And I can put all their toys up there and then, then I can put my computer up there. Well, what ended up happening was it turned out to be freezing as soon as it was like November, that room was. So I had like a space heater under my desk, like warming my feet and I'd be trying to work and the kids didn't really want to be up there. And so we kind of abandoned the whole thing. But at that point, what I was doing a lot of was um, when I would have a baby and a toddler, I would have the baby's like bouncer or whatever was containing them very Mm -hmm. close to whatever noisy plaything their slightly older sibling had because then I found that that would just, it would keep the baby away from the older kids coveted noisy plaything, but it would entertain the baby. So Mm -hmm. like so much strategy going on at that time. So much. (sighs) And then it's just gone. Then it's just, and then it's gone and it was gone amazingly quickly. Like suddenly it's just, and it feels so good. It feels so good. Um, 
Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so I know there are families out there who uh, got a lot of this stuff for the holidays and we're grouping together dolls and stuffed animals and even doll um, categories like Barbie, American Girl. I know there's like LOL dolls now, I think. This is where we're showing our age. LOL dolls? Why are they funny? (laughs) What's so funny about them? We should just stop before (laughs) we just really embarrass ourselves. But um. I mean, make-believe and dolls and stuffed animals, I I think all get played with very similarly in my house. And then I I guess we should add like plastic animals, like plastic horses. And um, we've we've gotten so much mileage out of like the nice kind of um, nicer quality plastic animals over the years. Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're big. So this is a big category. It's a big category. And the thing is, they're awkward. There's they're they have legs and arms. And it's yeah. difficult to find a way to, and your child may believe they are living creatures. That's the <laughs> That's other thing true. that makes this a That's very true. difficult category because yeah. I believed that all my dolls and stuffed animals had feelings, emotions, and personalities Aww. when I was a kid. So my mom saying something like, I'm going to toss these in a plastic bin would have not <laughs> flown at all. So it does create a little bit, it's, they're awkwardly shaped. They don't stack Yeah. And they're maybe slightly human. Well, and in the case of a Barbie and American girl, if 
if you have kids who get really into one particular brand, then you are back to the whole Lego and building set things. You are kind of committed to a group of things that will fit. Like if if I'm getting into doll clothes and accessories, for example, you really can't mix your your, your Barbie clothes don't fit on the American girls. Like, let's just be honest. Right. There's there's some crossover with a few brands. But if you are really into those, it's probably not going to mix well together. So we've gotten a lot of mileage out of big big bins. Um, we inherited a bunch of American girl clothes and accessories that I have tried pretty successfully to keep, um, to keep together. And neither of my girls or none of my kids has wanted the American girl stuff out all the time. It's more like, Ooh, let's drag that bin out and set up a tea party for them or or a picnic or get them all dressed. And, um, so that has worked well, like in a big Rubbermaid bin that either lives like in a closet somewhere. And that one's definitely like when it's coming out, it's coming out purposefully and intentionally. Um, baby doll stuff. When my girls were littler, they probably had their baby dolls out more of the time and baby bottles and baby strollers. And that just, I, I, that almost like was in that large plastic phase, um, doll strollers and things like that. Um, Plastic animals, we've always just kept in one one big bin. And that one, I don't mind mixing, you know, big and small and different brands and all of that. Um, and then, I don't know, stuffed animals are just everywhere in my house. Yeah. And it, it it doesn't bother me as much as some, like, if there were magnetiles all over the floor, matchbox cars, stuffed animals. Like, it's like I don't even see them anymore. They're just everywhere. Well, and they do have, I remember, I don't know that I ever actually got one of these. I remember always thinking I would. But they do make those really cool net things that go in the corner that can house stuffed animals. And I really love those. Like, I think they look really nice. I do. And they look intentional. And if your child will tolerate having their stuffed animals or dolls not in their bed or whatever, then it's a great solution because it feels it feels more personal than stuffing them in a bin or a toy box. Yeah. Um, But it. It, it like they're on display and they're neatly contained, but they're still part of the family kind of. Yeah. So I think those are really cool. We should look up and see like where yeah, we can link one. Those can I know exactly found. what you mean. Yeah. Um, I, I always thought those, those seemed like a really great solution. We did have a variety of different bin type places like those um, foldable. Oh man, there's a company that I got a really beautiful and I know the company is still around Um, a really beautiful, big, like folding, but, but like almost like a waxy exterior. I don't even know how to, it's not canvas, but it was like a nice, solid, big, hmm. huge bin thing that stuffed animals went into. Um, and then what Clara did is she decided dolls creeped her out and she thought they were watching her at night. And she didn't tell me this for a <laughs> long time, but she stuffed them all in her closet and put them under the bin because she didn't want to ever see their faces again. So that was when Clara okay. got over dolls. Some kids don't, you know, really yeah. get into them, but she did have a lot of like, um, my little pony. And then the boys had all those, um, action figures I was talking about earlier. And one of my solutions that we've talked about before, I think on the show before, if not, then mm-hmm. in blog posts is that when it was time for me to just be done with some of those, whether it was like the kid was outgrowing Barbie or outgrowing my little pony or whatever it was, the bathtub was the place that those things went to die and yeah, yeah. they would just live in the tub. Where, by the way, you can also get one of those corner things, like a smaller yes, version of the net, net corner thing. Yep. Yeah. So there's lots of ways to get creative about those toys. And sometimes they don't all have to be in the same play space. Okay. I'm going to add something as I'm, as you're, I'm listening to you talk. 
um, I'm thinking about the ages between like five and nine, say, where kids are still doing a fair amount of play and make believe with these things, but they're old enough to put stuff away. Um, it's almost like, remember at the beginning I was talking about when you're a brand new mom, you have a lot of control and you can color code everything and yep. you're the one putting it away and the kids get older and they're more helpful, but they're less discerning when they put stuff away. So yes. we had, um, in our last house in orange County, um, lots of bins that I, I allowed the kids to just stuff stuff in. Like if yeah. there was like mixed make-believe toys out. Um, there were low, low bookshelves and then cute bins and baskets. And the kids were, it was acceptable for them to just scoop stuff up and throw it in. And that was part of that letting, like the letting go that I had to do, that that was enough for them to kind of contribute to cleaning up in that way. And then once in a while, we'd go through those bins and, or the girls would want to get out the American girl. And we'd just say, wow, I think most of your doll clothes are like spread out throughout this house, like in every possible bin. And we'd kind of go through and, and, you know, get stuff back in order a little bit. So I think my point here is it's really good for kids to start to be part of the solution from probably age four or five on up. If they're in preschool or they're in kindergarten, they know how to hang stuff on a hook and put stuff in a cubby. Like that's part of the Mm. training. It's part of the gene, the magic of you know, early education teachers as they help instill those kind of um, cleanup systems. So don't be afraid to maybe relax your standards a little bit in the name of getting your kids involved in putting stuff away. And you can always then as they get older or as you have more bandwidth, you can always then um, go back to kind of your your optimum level of organization. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, there's going to be a period where... There, well, there's going to be a period where you don't have the control or the neatness or the result you want that you right. would have in a, an ideal world. You'll get it back. You yeah. just won't. There's going to be like, depending on the number of kids you have, there's going to be like a three to 15 year, you know, <laughs> time frame where that's just not realistic. And it's more about management at that point and just mm-hmm. making, creating spaces for yourself. Um, but I know we're going to talk a little bit about, um, actual solutions in a second, Sarah, you've got one linked that I love because I had almost the exact version of that. It was a different brand, but something very much like that. But I think I made the mistake as a younger mom of thinking if I just went to the container store enough Mm -hmm. times, or if I shopped online, I would find some system that would make it all perfect. And that's just not the reality of life with little kids. And I think I wasted money. It would have been better for me just to pick like one system and commit to it in its imperfectness mm-hmm. than to try to keep coming up with another system to like layer on top. The other system as a bandaid, like this mm-hmm. system didn't do it perfectly. So now I'm going to buy this other system to like kind of bandage up the um, gaps. And the problem is there's always going to be gaps. Like the yeah. gaps are inevitable. So do the best you can keep it as uniform as you can. Um, and include your and include the other household members at some yes. point in in the expectations because remember when we talked about mental load and emotional labor I yes. seriously think there is a mental load of home organization where if mom is the only one who knows where things go and if mom has held tightly so much to control that like the, everyone else is rendered like they literally don't know including sometimes co-parents or or partners they don't know how to pick up a room because only mom knows exactly how it's done. And I think it's really common to get into that. But 
I would really encourage, um, you know, maybe relaxing the standards a little bit so that everyone can throw stuff in a bin and you can tidy yeah. up the, the room quickly altogether, as opposed to yep. you being the only one who kind of knows how the pieces fit together, you know, metaphorically. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, what do we have? Well, I think our last two, I think our last two categories can actually just be one category and that's small things. Oh, and we had them must, broken out must we? small to small things with wheels and small things without wheels. But, <laughs> but really the only difference is that small things with wheels fit together more awkwardly, but, um, you can kind of toss them. They tend to be a little bigger. So you can toss them yeah. in a thing, right? Small things without wheels, maybe as small as a pencil oh. eraser or smaller. They're so small. <laughs> smaller, so tiny. So small. So I guess I'm curious, Sarah, you linked up a, a bin um, that mm-hmm. we can link to in the show notes, the show notes, but I had almost ex- the exact same thing. I think mine was a target version when my kids yeah. were little and it's just like a wooden bookshelfy kind of thing that multi-sized bins fit into. And mm-hmm. that was a huge lifesaver for me. And actually to your point about having the kids get involved. What I remember doing when my kids were little was printing pictures of the toy of something that represented what I wanted to go in that bin. And then I taped it to the Mm -hmm. side with like big packing tape. So the kids could easily see like, this is where an ant, like we'll just be like an animal face, or this is where a car goes, blah, blah, blah. That works really, really well for that. That works less well in my experience for truly itty bitties. Yeah. And the bins we're talking about, we'll link it up, but they, they tilt on like a 45 degree, they sit on a shelf at like a 45 degree angle outward, which is great for small kids who can see easily. Mm. It's not like drawers or something where they've got to pull it all the way out or dump it all the way out in this, um, in this way, they've got, uh, they can see everything in front of them. Um, I put it there because it worked well for matchbox cars Worked well for plastic animals. I'm trying to think of what else we put in there. Matchbox cars, plastic animals, action figures, like G.I. Joe type action figures. That kind of stuff worked really well for that. I agree with tiny. I used it for blocks. So my kids were little when my kids were little, like just those big Mm -hmm. colorful blocks and the um those plasticky blocks that would like stick together with the like one would have a hole and the other one would have like a almost like a little puzzle Mm -hmm. piece that would fit in the hole, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And you could make like strings out of them and stuff. Like we use it for a lot of those big Yes. Thanks. Yes. And I think I still think I you mean you probably had yours 20 years ago and I had mine 10 yeah. years ago and I still stand by something like that can get a lot of it would also I know we're going to talk about arts and crafts I think next week but I think it could also really work well for like Play-Doh in one and you know watercolors yep. in one. I think it could it um play food like kitchen play kitchen stuff. So yeah, I think that works well. The tiny 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 I think I'm going back to my um, the smaller the thing, the smaller the container I want to give yes. it. So I did a lot of like Tupperware, you know, cheap Tupperware, yep. like mm-hmm. you get at the grocery store. And so all the, you know, the calico critter food or the whatever it is, is going to go in this little cheap, cheap container. And then that container can get tossed into a larger basket or bin. Yep. Um, that worked well. Ziploc for bags us. work great for that. Yeah. Too. Ziploc bag. Exactly. Ziploc bags and Tupperware and Mo- then- uh, Mason jars. Oh, great. That's fancy. Yeah. Even glass. Well, it is, but let's, but let's talk about this for a second. So <laughs> the smaller, the object, like with, with small size comes great responsibility. It's how yes. I feel. Mm-hmm. And usually a kid playing with itty bitty, bitty toys is not two. They're right. six, they're seven, yes, they're correct. eight. Mm-hmm. They're, they want more control. Like I remember at that stage for Clara in particular, she was doing a lot of modifications to her littlest pet shops. Like she was like putting 
nail polish on them and like following videos. And I know, but that's not that unusual for that age stage. Like these days, like these kids are getting really creative with stuff. So my feeling was you can have tons of control, Clara, over this three foot shelf that I'm going Mm -hmm. to give to you. But you also now have a lot of responsibility. So if Mm -hmm. you're going to have this much power over your own space and how you use your toys in your space. Fantastic. I love it. You got to put your stuff away. And if that means mommy wants it in a mason jar or Mm -hmm. that's just what I happen to have on hand. It's not like I care aesthetically that much, but like I have them. So why not? Or those, um, the plastic, uh, like food containers with the, the vacuum top where you like press the button down on top and they like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those are, those are great for those. They're a little fancy. But, but if it solves you, if it solves, solves years of stress, yeah. Um, I'm just even thinking, you know, the little Tupperware things made by, I think they're made by Ziploc that you'd put, um, like salad dressing in the yeah. very small ones. Little the ones tinies, that, yes. Yes. So those would work great for teeny tiny things. Also, is it, is it your experience that some kids do care about, you know, kind of keeping keeping their nice things together and staying organized. And some kids do not. So I would say you can follow your kids lead as well as, you know, serving your own needs as well. But a kid who doesn't really care if all the tiny things are kept separate and is okay with them in one Tupperware container, that's fine. If, if the next kid really wants the food separated from like the jewelry accessories for the Barbies or something, then that kid gets to, like you said with Clara, be master of their domain. So yes, I think it depends kid to kid as well. But I think we've solved this with the smaller the object, just the more smaller containers. And then those smaller containers really can get chucked back in a bin. Um, our Barbie stuff right now is all in Ziploc bags. And Violet has a couple of Barbie sets that are pet related. Again, back to the pets. And mm. so she likes to get them all out and set up like a pet doggy day camp kind of thing and there's like teeny tiny dog bones and she really does play with it that way she gets she lines up all the dog bowls and she feeds all the dogs their bones and it's really really cute they're all just in ziploc bags and then all the ziploc bags are in a cute um kind of a square bin so yeah i do think that help that helps when you can subdivide the tiny into bags and bags and tupperware well and just like with adults some you know some of us um, are just want to get to the thing and use it. Mm-hmm. But some of us adults as well as kids, and sometimes surprisingly young kids are into the aesthetics of organization. And mm, if yeah. there's a system that looks beautiful to them and a way for them to organize things that is feels satisfying, it may surprise you at how young an age they'd be into it. Like, yeah, maybe they don't care. And all they want to do is get the thing that they want to get to and get their hands on it. But but you might be surprised that your young, you know, your six year old would love to have things in like color coded little jars. You just don't know until you kind of ask them. And I think if we could like if we have to wrap this all up and and put kind of a bow on it for me the and Sarah, I don't know, maybe you'll have a different bow that you want to put on this. But for me, it's the active management. I just come back to that because you just don't know until you until you let your kid be who they are in front of your face. And then you're like, Oh, you're the kid who just wants to get at their stuff and they don't care. Like they truly don't care how it's organized. So mom, just do it, do your thing, make it really, really simple and they'll figure it out. And because they're more play motivated. And Mm -hmm. then there's the kid who's just as motivated by how it looks 
and mm-hmm. feels when it's not being played with. And those two kinds of kids, like, I think they will emerge at a younger age than you might think. I think that's so true. That's such a good point. And, and good for us to reflect too on our own organizational styles and our clutter triggers, because right. like you and I've talked a million times about the types of things that drive us crazy within our homes are very different. Like, one mom to the next mom. So it's not only the kid's personality, but our own. And I sure. guess the the extra bow I would add, and I believe this with almost everything we talk about on this show, is there will be times where it will feel out of control and you'll feel like you want to light it all on fire and get rid of <laughs> 80% of the things in your home. And there will be a day where you're like, okay, I think this is working well. And it'll work well for a little while. And then Somebody's birthday comes around and they get six Lego sets and you're back to the beginning. So like yep. kind of respecting the rhythm of that and respecting the ebb and flow. And if you're feeling overwhelmed this January by the influx of toys, just trust that you can try a system and your system can be one giant bin. If it, if it helps just to get it out of sight and deal yep. with the sub organization later, that's okay. So um, I think that's that's my additional bow. But what are we going to um, talk about next week? Because we have so many more categories. Well, we do. And I think the next week's categories fall more. They're like less about toys and more about just like the, the stuff of family life. So I think yeah. we're talking about things like books and board games and and kind of like that active indoor and outdoor play things like um, bikes and scooters and trampolines and playhouses, like just things that are just they take up space, arts and crafts, which yeah. at some point you might be sharing with your kids if you're into arts mm-hmm. and crafts and you might want a space that you can use um, collectively. So more of that kind of stuff. And I'm sure you will come up with more subcategories. Yeah. If you're hearing this right when it comes out, you have a couple days to send us pictures or tag us on social. Um, if you have a particular challenge, that would be fun. I'm not going to pro- promise we'll devote like half the episode to it, but if we get, if we see a tag on Instagram or in the Facebook group and you have a particular like challenge you want us to try to tackle, I think that would be fun too. It would have to be soon. You'd have to be hearing this on Tuesday and get it to us in the next couple of days so we can record, but I think that would be fun. Um, and if you all like this, I think this is something we could probably revisit throughout the year because there is no end to well, the Well, and also I the have, clutter. Uh, no, there's not. And I have a whole bunch of ideas about things I want to cover for us, like yeah. In our personal stuff, like my purse is still a mess. Sarah, I've been telling you for a week and a half that I'm going to, well, no, I've been telling myself for four months I'm going to um, organize <laughs> my purse. I've been telling you for a week I'm going to do it. And I still haven't done, done it. My nail well, polish isn't organized. I was just going to say, like, we had this whole conversation about how I now I'm like starting to paint my nails more often, but I have no storage and it's just out on the bathroom counter, like 30 colors and they've been there for like three weeks. So mine are in an we old ne- tin. So we, we could we use help. some. Like maybe some motivation to get, maybe we'll just do all of January. We'll just be only organization. Just keep talking about where to put stuff. I love <laughs> maybe, it. Maybe. Um, last thing before we wrap, if you are brand new, welcome. Um, we have a page on our website. It's just at themomhour.com slash new. And when you go there, you can read a little bit more about us. And there's also some episode lists that are kind of divided out by topic because we do have, I I think, almost 500 episodes in the archives. They're not even all available in your podcast listening app right now because we have so many of them. So I'll link that up in the show notes or you can just remember it, themomhour.com slash new. And it's a good way to just kind of um, dive into the rest of our content and um, start to poke around our website. So. Um, I think that's it. And so Megan, we'll talk to everybody a week from today. Talk to you all soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. 
Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of the Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.